Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Atomic Skull podcast. Thank you so much for listening, but also you're welcome for giving you the pleasure of hearing the menthol cool sounds of my allergy-laden, sneezy, coughing, fighting for every breath I can barely get voice this week. It must be such a treat for you. I also may or may not have gone out and gotten shwasted celebrating my brother-in-law's birthday instead of being a good little podcast boy and staying in to get my shit done. So we started out at a place called Undertow. My name is Matthew, by the way. I'm not sure if I mentioned that already. We went to a place called Undertow that is the only thing I hate more than the term speakeasy is the term concept speakeasy but that's exactly what it is you go inside and the whole inside of the bar looks like a the inside of a pirate ship complete with little circular port windows that look out into realistic views of the sea that are obviously on video but they look pretty cool at different times during the whole experience there's thunderstorms battles with other pirate ships and all that noise and you can see it out of little portholes place is actually super dope our bartender well another term i hate mixologist whatever she was she was very sweet and a total cutie patootie we ordered one of those big oversized shits with long straws where you light the middle of it on fire and then all of us drank out of it like a trough you know what gold star question for this week coming in hot early and on the fly what term or phrase do you guys hate and why i hear shit like speakeasy and gastropub and i want to fucking rip my own lungs out of my body i know there is at least one term that is like black licorice to your ears when you hear it and i want you to tell me reach out atomic skull podcast at gmail.com at atomic skull podcast on instagram and tiktok in the dms tell me the term you utterly despise so i can break it down next week and we can all be shitheads together all right where was i Uh, Oh, we went to an arcade bar, which is home away from home for me. I played no less than two Mortal Kombats and a whole shitload of pinball. Let me tell you guys a quick story about what a fucking weirdo I am. So next to this arcade bar was a tattoo shop. I have a full body of ink, so those shits always catch my eye, right? I'm walking by their massive floor-to-ceiling windows, and I take a look in just to catch the vibe, right? Just see what's doing. And this utterly good-looking goth girl catches my eye. And she came complete with black boots, black dress, killer silver jewelry, and a pentagram necklace. Hello, nurse. Am I right? It takes me a second to realize that the reason I think she is especially sexy is because she is a dead ass ringer for my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name. They were literally almost wearing the same fucking thing. So the first thing I do is I grab my amazingly awesome cock-blocking mother-in-law, CJ, and bring her over to show her this woman who looks just like her daughter. Then, a couple minutes later, because I couldn't stop thinking about it, I bring my brother-in-law over to show him this hottie that looks just like his sister. 
Now I'm treating this poor stranger who just wants to finish her shift and go home like she's a fucking animal exhibit at a zoo. Hey, brother-in-law, look at her through the glass, but don't feed her and no flash photography. So I'm making like a third trip back over for no other reason than to just sneak a peek at this woman. And she has definitely clocked me coming back and looking at her several times. So I am telling my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's Her Name, about her doppelganger next door and how I cannot get it out of my head. And I am just drunk enough to grab my wife's hand and bring her over to the fucking shop. I walk into the tattoo shop. I throw on my best awkward charm and I says to this woman, I says, excuse me, I am so sorry to be weird at you, but can I borrow you outside? You have the exact same look and style as my beautiful wife and it is killing me right now. I want you guys to meet so we aren't just staring at you like you're in a zoo. And God bless this woman. She went from a concerned laugh to a courtesy laugh to an actual laugh to being kind enough to come outside, meet Mrs. What's-Her-Name, and then after complimenting each other for like five minutes straight, they even took a picture together, which I can assure you is going directly into my spank bank. It will not pass go, it will not collect $200, and that joke was just for our good friend and monopoholic Amir, who we cannot wait to have back on the program. Right after that, on the way to the next bar, I went full-on drunk fat kid and stopped at an ice cream place to get a hot fudge sundae that was almost as delicious as that picture. And let me tell you something. Two hot goth girls next to each other posing for a photo followed by a hot fudge sundae with cookie dough and thin mint chip ice cream? That, my dudes, is a whole lot of sugar. All right, I want to go over a story that I found forever ago and I've been meaning to talk about, but it keeps slipping through my news crack. So I am going to knock it out right now before I forget yet again. In a world where it... <laughs> in a world... Sorry. In a world where it feels like nearly everything is dividing us, there is nothing that I love more than seeing in real time the things that bring us together. And sometimes those things can seem a little bit unexpected, right? It happened during the 2020 quarantine where we all watched Tiger King together and collectively agreed as bad as things are right now, at least we aren't that. It happened when we all went canceling Gretel on Kevin Spacey in 2017. It happened when we all decided we're just going to let Kirk Cameron and Corey Feldman get away with being two completely different kinds of crazy because of all the things they were in that our parents told us were good in the 80s. Between Kirk Cameron and Corey Feldman... Ooh, I feel like one of them got fondled when they were a kid way too much, and the other one, somehow not enough. But I'm not going to say which one is which, because the answer might surprise you. Meanwhile, things that bring us together. I have three words for you. Popeye's chicken sandwich. If it unites us in any significant way, I am for it. Another thing that has brought us all collectively together as a society is the idea that snitches get stitches. So Takashi 69 for all of you who don't know, Takashi 69 is a rapper, was a rapper. I mean, he might still be, I don't fucking care. He may still be a rapper, it doesn't matter. Former rapper, current piece of shit. Takashi 69 was arrested in 2019, I think, for a whole 
slew of awfulness. Assault with a deadly, racketeering, drug trafficking, the kit with the side of the caboodle, okay? He got a massively reduced sentence because of his, and I am quoting here, extraordinary and substantial cooperation with government investigators. I have to imagine that when Takashi offered to cooperate with the prosecution, the DA's immediate knee-jerk response had to have been, are you sure? <laughs> so that little fucking rat did two years in prison and has been, he got out and he's been laying relatively low ever since. About a month ago, Takashi got the tar beat out of him by three dudes in a locker room at a South Florida gym. I challenge you to Google Takashi69 gym beating reactions and find anything other than something adjacent to someone saying, motherfucker had that shit coming because I looked and it does not fucking exist. Now that I have that out of my system, let's jump right into the Dildo Chronicles because I have a home run of a story for you guys. Wait, before I even get to that story, I need to say this out loud to you guys because I have been getting grossed out daily and I have this sadistic need to pass the awfulness on to you. This is something that keeps coming up at work and if you're eating while listening right now, I might recommend you take a little break because the food might also keep coming up while you hear this. I have been getting asked more and more if our store has an arcade or a video booth. Let me explain what an arcade is in an adult store for those of you who don't know. You go into a small dark room with one TV and you throw a Finsky or whatever into the cash machine and you you get to pick like five, 10 minutes of whatever movie selections they have available for you to watch and you jerk it while you're in this small room in the back of a fucking dildo store. The last couple of months, I would get asked about booths maybe a few times a week, but the last couple of weeks, literally at least one every single day. Whenever someone asks me that, all I can hear is them saying, do you have a situation there that would give you an opportunity to clean up my jizz? Fucking disgusting. If it was Chris Evans, it would be one thing. But it is always the old wrinkly guys with their old wrinkly balls who have old wrinkly memories of 70s video booths and bush hair. And the cleanup for both of those things sounds equally daunting and awful. Okay, now to the story. This story isn't my own. But Jesus Christ, I wish it was. There is a dude that comes into our store now and again to help out that has worked with the company for many years. I have talked about him before on the show. I referred to him before as the crafty veteran. And last time he was in the store helping us out, I picked his brain about the most ridiculous story that he had. And as an apology for making you guys think about old balls in a video arcade, I'm going to pass this ridiculousness on to you. This was a couple of years ago, I guess. The when does not really matter. This is a tale as old as time, all right? So a dude... Nothing super special about him to mention one direction or another. Just your average dude who looks like he might be a serial killer comes into the dildo store, shops around for a little bit, and then asks the crafty veteran if it is okay that he brings in his girlfriend. Now, let's pause right there. I don't care what retail establishment you are in. If some dude cases the joint for a couple of minutes and then 
asks if he can bring in his girlfriend, start paying real close attention because something fucky is about to be afoot. It is compounded by the fact that this is a dildo store. The crafty veteran told him, of course, it's completely okay if you bring in your girlfriend. Dude leaves for a minute and comes back with a full-size, mouth comedically wide-open blow-up doll. I have to pause again to say that I am not judging here. Love whoever and whatever you want. Fuck whoever and whatever you want as long as it is ethical. And this dude is staying right in his lane. So I am not going to judge in that aspect. But it is also objectively fucking hysterical. My first question to the crafty veteran was, is this guy doing a bit? He told me he didn't think so, which makes it even funnier. So this dude walks his girlfriend around the store. He is holding her hand. He is whispering sweet nothings in her ear. He's picking up different vibrators and asking if she wants them. He takes her into the dressing room and tries clothes on her. He is asking her if she likes the way they look on her. He asks her if she wants to buy them. He was saying things like, are you sure this isn't too much? And shit like that. He buys $200 worth of stuff that he pays for with money from her wallet in a purse that she was carrying. What's weird about that story, I mean, what's weird about that story is all of it, but what is unexpectedly weird about that story is that it's almost wholesome. You know what I mean? There is seriously never a dull moment working at that store. Thank you guys so much, as always, for answering last week's Gold Star question. What was the single best live song performance you have ever seen in person? I want to get a couple of the notables that I'm the most jealous of. The first one is Paul McCartney doing Live and Let Die. Really, any time Paul has done that would be fucking phenomenal. But this one particular example was in 2014. He wrote the song for the James Bond movie of the same name, which was somewhere around 72 or 73. It was a Roger Moore James Bond movie. Paul was in the group Wings, which I'm pretty sure is the most popular band Paul McCartney has ever been in. And remember, I'm a music expert. I know these things. But the song is like meant to be played live. It has a quiet verse and then a massively loud and huge chorus where pyro and flames and sparks and shit and confetti and salads and toddlers and whatever else Paul wants to shoot out of the cannons on the stage all goes off at once. And it's fucking epic. I've never seen Paul do the song live in person, but I did see Guns N' Roses do their version of the song a few years ago, and it's pretty much the same thing, except with statistically probably cocaine. Another one that I am super fucking jealous of is getting to see Lizzo do Truth Hurts in a tiny club right as she was on the way up. And I remember that tour. She was doing like clubs and small theaters. And between the time the tour was announced and the tickets went on sale and the time the tour actually started is when she blew the fuck up. 
I was told that everyone in the audience was singing every word and the listener who was in the audience who went was so close that you could see the beads of sweat on Lizzo's forehead. I fucking love Lizzo. I will 100% see her live at some point. So, you know when you're talking to someone and they ask you a loaded question that they clearly only asked you because they have an answer for the question and they want you to ask them so they can talk about it. It's like you don't even exist as part of the conversation and they just want to talk about themselves where you can hear them. Yeah. Any hoozle. On a completely unrelated note to the rant that I just gave you, here are five amazing song performances that I've seen live. Hashtag suck my ass, this is my show. And I want you guys to know that narrowing it down to five single song performances was a fucking bitch. I could have easily done 10. And these, you guys, are in no particular order. And I'm going to even put the disclaimer that by the time I release this episode, chances are my answers will have already changed. And I will remember some shit that I wish that I had added. The first one I want to bring up was from 2003. Definitely the most moving song performance to me for some crazy reason that I still don't understand. I talked about seeing Elton John and Billy Joel together in Vegas during my long-winded music appreciation episodes. If for some reason you're in the mood to be bored out of your skull hearing me talk about why music hits me so fucking hard, listen to episodes three through six at your own risk. When Elton and Billy played together, the third song of the night was both of them singing together with both of their bands doing Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Not just my favorite Elton song, but one of my all-time favorite songs overall. And it sounded big, massive. I barely knew the song at the time, but it was so fucking epic that I wept through the entire thing. That one single song performance at that one single concert I can't explain it, but I was not the same after experiencing that. It was like the first time you eat sushi and realize that you love it. Or when you eat blue cheese and all of a sudden something clicks and you realize, damn, that shit is funky and delicious. And somehow your whole fucking palate changes. Oh, look, a food metaphor. Raise your hand if you're fucking surprised I shoehorn one of those into the story. Next one is in 2011. Not only was I in the front fucking row seeing Muse, but Matt Bellamy touched my hand and I have not washed it since. The last song they played that night was their fucking ass blaster, Knights of Sedonia. Everyone sang. Everyone jumped. It was one of those moments that was fucking bananas to be on the floor by the stage like i feel sorry for anyone who bought a seat for that show the pit was definitely where to be before that was 2001 i was at a radio show and i saw system of a down three days after toxicity was released that was one of the wildest fucking shows i have ever witnessed i saw a kid's face covered in blood because he was crowd surfing and everyone just pushed him to the front and he fell head first onto the concrete the drummer for system of a down had drank half a bottle of jack within the first few songs his floor tom wasn't mic'd correctly and he you couldn't hear it right so he literally threw it towards the front of the stage and it missed surge tankian by like 
a foot about halfway through the show when the band went into Chop Suey, which was the song everyone came to see. The fucking place erupted and the band felt it on stage and they gave the energy back. It was a young band in their prime touring with the best album of their career. That's the kind of shit you only get to see once. And then for the last two, I'm going to go way, way back to 1997. These last two took place less than a month apart by two singers who roughly look the same. November 1997, I saw the Rolling Stones in concert. And I mean, they played Gimme Shelter, which is one of the most incredible songs ever written. That song is literally perfect. My awesome grandmother took me to the show and always talked about how sexy she thought Mick Jagger was. And I never understood it as a young kid until I saw that performance with Mick and one of his backup singers who wailed during that female vocal part of the song. Those two together created sexual energy enough for me to feel it on the other side of the stadium. And then the last one was October 20th, 1997. The first time I saw my favorite band growing up in concert, Aerosmith. Seeing all the songs that I listened to constantly for years being performed live was otherworldly. I remember literally shaking before the show. I was so excited. First song of the encore, Steven Tyler comes out alone and sings the first verse of What It Takes, which is one of the saddest and greatest rock ballads ever written. And you can fight me on that one, you fucks. But he comes out and sings the entire first verse of the song a cappella. The audience joins in. It was fucking magical. All these people started singing along to this song that I loved, and it was so goddamn cool. I have to move on, because as I'm thinking about it, I left out a lot of shit that I really want to talk about, and I don't want to do that to you guys. I'm trying to create some listener retention here. So let's get to the best and worst of the week. Let's get that cooking, because I am so excited to go over both. Best of the week is the consequences of Tucker Carlson's actions. I know I told you that I wouldn't talk about politics much, and I'm not going to do that today. It has nothing to do with politics. It doesn't even have anything to do with news. People who watch turds like Tucker aren't watching for information. They're tuning in specifically to watch someone that you either vehemently agree with or vehemently disagree with say outlandish shit and get away with it for a while. It isn't the least bit informative. Eventually, karma always catches up to assholes like that and their reign of bullshit ends. Happened to Bill O'Reilly. Happened to Alex Jones. I seriously can't believe that motherfucker's still alive. And now it has happened to poor little Tucker. Couldn't have been a more deserving person. And it isn't the conservatism. That part doesn't bother me. I have no problem with conservative people. I get it. It is his self-righteousness that gets me. The idea that people with influence think that they can say whatever the fuck they want without any real fear of consequences. Not only was it one hell of an Irish goodbye, but he got caught talking shit about his bosses. And now Fox News apparently has a dossier ready to fire just in case because they know that little Tucker boy can't keep his fucking mouth shut. High level blackmail 
at its finest. I hope they release that dossier and I hope that it is juicier than a Gordon Ramsay steak. For worst of the week, we are going to jump back into music for a real quick second and talk about the Ed Sheeran trial that's going on right now. This is another one of those moments where I don't have anyone specific to talk about this, so I'm going to talk to everyone about it. Ed Sheeran is on trial right now because he is accused of plagiarizing Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye in his song Thinking Out Loud. Really quick, this is why I call it the worst of the week. Did he plagiarize the song? Absolutely not. But does the song have exactly the same chord progression? It absolutely fucking does. Same chords, same timing, same tempo. But that does not necessarily mean he ripped the song off. A lot of songs sound the same. If no one is going to sue Lady Gaga for Born This Way, ripping off Express Yourself by Madonna, we can't fuck over Ed Sheeran for this shit. Pop chords and melodies are used, reused, and used again in slightly different variations all the time. What I love is that the judge for the trial compelled Ed Sheeran not only to testify, but he had to schlep his acoustic into the courtroom and sing Thinking Out Loud for the jury. Smallest crowd he's played to in probably fucking years. And he did it for free. I bet he's pissed. If you think this trial is crazy, let me give you a quick music history lesson. In 1988, John Fogarty, who was the singer for Creedence Clearwater Revival, which is a band that your grandparents used to listen to when they were smoking doobies in segregated bathrooms, John Fogarty was sued for plagiarizing himself. His former record label sued him because a song that he released in 84, 85 called... I didn't put it in my notes because I was sure that I would remember the name of the fucking songs. It was called Old Man Down the Road. That song sounded very similar to a CCR song called Run Through the Jungle, which was released damn near 20 years earlier. And the judge did the same shit. He made Fogarty bring his guitar into the courtroom and play both songs. The jury acquitted Fogarty of all charges because they realized that songs written by the same artist are going to sound familiar. Same shit with Ed Sheeran. Similar, yes, but definitely not the same. And then just a couple of things to wrap up that I don't really have a lot of shit to say about, but I wanted to mention because that's just the way I do things. If there is anyone in the market for a good stand-up comedy special, John Mulaney, who is one of my favorites, just released his new one on Netflix called Baby J. It is literally all about his intervention and his stint in rehab for being addicted to, I think, pretty much anything that can be snorted. The way it was shot was fantastic. The way he tells the story is fucking great. Every special Mulaney does is hysterical, and this one's no exception. And also, as an added bonus motherfucker can pull off a suit and tie like nobody's fucking business that's just a fringe benefit to watching it and then i want to end the show with a couple of sad obits from this week the first one is harry belafonte who was a singer and was known as the king of calypso now before you guys start saying to yourself that i'm a pretentious music snob and gonna start talking about calypso music let me just say two things first I am so honored that your inner monologue just referred to me as a music snob. And Seckenberg, 
I don't know shit about Calypso music. I know that Harry Belafonte was an activist for the civil rights movement in the 60s, and I know he did some acting as well as singing. Why might you know him? Why am I mentioning him here? Because a few of his most popular songs were used in one of my all-time favorite movies, Beetlejuice. I am being serious when I tell you there would literally be no Beetlejuice without Harry Belafonte. The dinner party scene where all of the guests become possessed and start singing to a crazy ass song out of nowhere before hands come out of everyone's soup and push them out of their chairs, that song was by Harry Belafonte. And so was our song of the week. I know I said I won't always make a song of the week for a musician who just died just because they just died. But what I didn't say was that I would never make a song of the week just because a musician died. What I can tell you is that this song would end up being a song of the week at some point anyway, because it makes me so goddamn happy. It makes me dance. It is a direct shot of dopamine right into your ears. And it is the song at the end of the movie, at the end of Beetlejuice, when Lydia and all the dead people start dancing together. It is called Jump in the Line by Harry Belafonte. And you are going to find it on the Atomic School podcast, Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. Check it out after this episode because it is a fucking riot to listen to. And then, of course, we got to talk about Jerry Springer. Everyone loves Jerry Springer. Did you guys know that before his talk show, he was the mayor of Cincinnati? Look that shit up. The Jerry Springer show was a trip. Everybody watched it. Fucking everybody. As a kid, when you saw Jerry Springer on TV, that's when you knew you made it. That's when you knew you weren't going to school. Jerry was our bedside nurse during sick days and our breakfast companion during summer vacations. His show was trash television at its finest, but you couldn't stop watching. I think it paved the way for a lot of reality TV that everyone loves to watch and bitch about because his show was one of the original dumpster fires. Was it real? I'm not sure. Some of it looked staged. Some of it looked too ridiculous to be legit. But it was all entertaining as fuck for the time when it was on. That is going to do it for me this week, you guys. Thank you for taking some time to listen to my dumbass talk about blow-up dolls and music and whatever other stupid shit comes to my mind. This show is incredibly hard work a lot of the time, but it is also so fucking rewarding. And that is because you guys are so great about it. It means everything to me, and I will tell you that over and over again until I have no fucking voice left in me. Be sure to subscribe and follow me and give me five stars wherever you listen to this shit show and tell some people who matter to you about the show if it means enough to you to do that. Always looking for more people to join in on the fun. I am getting really close to some big milestones for followers and ratings that I cannot wait to share with you guys. I am right there. So close. So, so close. Apologies to my mother-in-law. And until next week, take care of yourselves and each other. How are you doing? 